0: yards should be just a nice comfortable nine iron for him. They're gonna go nuts when he hits this thing. Yo, 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 welcome in Golf D-Gen's, Uh, weekly golf gambling club meeting back two weeks off. Feels like an eternity. Uh, I was fortunate enough. Nice little comfortable nine irons all day last week for Russell Henley. Got another little winner. Got to add him up to the banner. My name, if you're here, is Joe Idoni uh, at Tour Picks on Twitter. Welcome to the Preferred Lines podcast streaming live right now on Twitter. Also on YouTube, if you're here on Twitter um always love for you guys to pop over to the youtube page just search preferred lines it'll pop up very easily you'll see the live stream drop your name in the comments let me know that you're here Uh, i always like to see who's in the chat yeah asking questions also available on itunes and spotify via the podcast version soon after we go off the air live tonight um like, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know the deal. We're brought to you by the Fantasy Golf Pod. Chad, Eric, Jish, all have content coming out this week. um The sort of final stage before you before the tournament starts, they will have a live show there. Appreciate their support for the show as always. Here's what we got on tap for tonight. I'm going to bring a special guest on. We're going to talk a quick course preview for Memorial Park and the Houston Open. Uh, I'll go over some key stats for the week. Then we're just going to get right into the odds board. Go through each and every range, top to bottom. See who we like this week. Without further ado, welcome to Preferred Lines, my good pal at Detroit Dave Seven. What up, Drew? How's it going, buddy? Good, Joe. Thanks for
1: having me, man. Congratulations on the uh, the Henley win. You're going to be running out of uh, real estate to be putting uh, new pictures up there. I don't know how you're going to figure that out, but uh yep. appreciate you having me, man.
0: How is everything? Everything is great. Uh, it's a good problem to have. I, I that's I, true. Luckily, <laughs> that's true. I've got a little wee bit of, of of graphic design skills. I'll have to really tap into my resources and see what we got <laughs> going. But um, you know, just just classic Russell Henley, a nice easy breezy wire to wire winner. Um, and and things on Sunday were very easy for him, as they always are when you get a Russell Henley ticket.
1: Absolutely no, it was uh, it's good, man. When Russell Henley gets it going, he can uh, he can make birdies and bunches and. It's kind of what you've had to do here the last few weeks with these kind of birdie fest. Uh, looks like we may be changing kind of the script here as we head into this week.
0: Yeah, always, um, much tougher here. That course is, is fun. I believe, I think it was my buddy, Will Haskett had some good stats about how he had one of the best, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday combinations of all time on the PGA tour in terms of scoring numbers, uh, Lights out performance by him. Everyone was good, uh, but, uh, you know, an easy four. Uh, what Would he win by four or five? I'm not even sure. Yep. Uh, but he was able to kind of coast to a finish. Last time, I believe that the news came out that we're going to see uh, Koba as it's transitioning over to the beginning of the uh, live tour schedule next year. Did you catch that news? I did. I did. And it's
1: it's interesting to kind of tie everything in with this week because, the past two champions from this tournament are now on live. We know Brooks did a little bit with this course. So everything yeah. kind of comes full circle here. Um, But th- that's interesting. I mean, again, if you're the PGA Tour, not a stop that you're necessarily concerned with losing. Right. Uh, but you made a great point with Henley. You know how dang hard it is to, to go low and then go low the next day and then go low for a third day in a row. We see it all the time. Guys go 62 and it's relatively stale around the next day. So impressive to be able to put three of those together in a row for sure.
0: Yeah, he talked about uh, battling the demons of not being able to close a couple of tournaments afterwards. He was very open about that. Um, He's a father now, like you and I. I was just telling you before we went hot, I'm battling some golf demons. (laughs) Uh, Harry Higgs was very open about it as well that I thought was a very cool interview. Um, And just kind of, it's hard, man. Like I was there, it's hard to not, just as a father of two young kids in it were PGA tour professional to not just be like excited and happy to in enjoying being out there on the course. No matter if you're a 12, a 20 handicap, a scratch player like yourself, um, it's hard to not be hard on yourself after bad shots and how these guys are able to sort of, you know, deal with that on the PGA tour level. What did you take from that?
1: Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I know we talk and people talk a lot about perspective and of course yeah. it's overblown to an extent, but like it, it is, and it isn't right. Like if you're a PGA tour player, that's gone through pain and struggling, not be able to close the door in events. And, and now you have this other bigger power that you go home to with your family and your kids. And it just, it, I think it makes it a little easier to absorb kind of, you know, the pain and disappointment of kind of choking away a week, if you will. Um, but yeah, it's, and, and the other thing that that you it's kind of under not talked about is is the difference of scheduling this year as compared to other years for mm. a lot of these guys the way that the the tours kind of flipped up on top of its head with these these bigger events uh, and it's so it's going to be tough for guys to kind of get their schedule down correctly and and it, so it's it's different but yeah when you look at guys like that it's I think sometimes the perspective things overblown but I do think there's something to it because I think it's easier to kind of put it behind you and move on then kind of sulk and and kind of feel bad for yourself the way things ended.
0: Yeah, 100%. And um, it's so key in such a mental game. um, Just having a proper perspective and being able to move on to the next shot is something that I struggle with. And um, clearly the PGA Tour pros uh, struggle with as well. You mentioned the changes going on right now in the game of golf. And um, I, I went to live golf on Sunday of the Miami finales. So I wrote a little article, it's on my page. Um, if you Great, want to check it out, go ahead and I read know you that. were hesitant to put
1: anything out there in the first place, but I did check it out.
0: I kind of was. Um, I tried to be Drew as is unbiased and genuine as possible. I knew that there was gonna be people that weren't gonna like it. I think I uh, I was talking to someone earlier. It's the first time I've ever like lost followers, and I know I shouldn't really care about that, but like I think I dropped like 240 people. Um, I had people DMing be like the horrible things. Um, but I thought, thought it was important to put it out now. There like
1: because- it's—I know it's golf, but like if you if you compare it to politics, like there's just each side is like so hell bent into their where they they sit as far as their perspective of things. Yeah. So they're not open minded to hear things like this or listen to different opinions. Where you're trying to shoot it straight down the middle is just a person that likes golf. So I think it's yeah. kind of become that where it's, it's each side's kind of at each other. And really there, there could be good found in both, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think I made this point like very early on. And I had Tambo on. I think it was for either the PGA or the US Open Show. I don't remember, but Liv hadn't started yet. And but it had all you know it had taken over the news cycle. Um and I was like how does this make the PGA tour better? Like, is there an Avenue where this makes the PGA tour better? And I still think it can. I think that we're seeing some developments for the players that are going to be an improvement in terms of the pay structure, in terms of the schedule, in terms of the path to the PGA tour for some of these guys coming out of college. I still think there's a long way to go, but I'm still waiting. Like, the benefit and how does it make it a better product for the consumer and us, the golf fan, obviously the fall is kind of tough to judge, you know, sure. to judge with the lack of coverage and no shot tracker. Um, but I, I still think that live has gotten some things, frankly, right there for, for the attendee of the event to make it a more fun and make it a more ex- like great experience for someone who's not super hardcore into golf. And, they're showcasing a ton of shots like you can't deny it. You the entire event from start to finish i think that the like i don't know what they call it the peloton or whatever it is on the side of the screen there i I, hated
1: it at first but i'm getting like i'm
0: okay with it right like Like, all right so here would be the here's the next level like if you're on your phone you need to be able to tap and like scroll it yourself i agree That would be elite. Like if you if you're watching it on your phone and they have a way to do that through the app where you see the top, but you can start to scroll and find your guys. There's good things coming out of it. Politics aside, what they've been able to do in seven events. I was at the eighth event that they've held is you. I talked to some other people there who are in media who like don't really want to say anything, but you cannot like be there and not be like thoroughly impressed. Like, holy shit, this is legit. It's a show and think about it this way
1: like clearly they're doing things that are working I mean look at how quick the PGA Tour pivoted to make these higher purse events right out of kind of nowhere right like we're talking seven months and the PGA Tours already have to kind of push all their chips to, you know to the table yeah so live is doing things and I think the more time that it has they'll eventually get on with with the TV provider where it's not going to be YouTube, which will be a big time deal. Yep. Um. And I think the match play final event was cool as hell. Honestly, I think yeah. it was awesome. And, and so, yeah, there's things that we can both nitpick and, and each side can go at it. But it's hard to argue that some of the things they're doing have worked. And it's hard to argue that the PGA Tour has kind of had to pivot from what they are doing to try to match it. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of like the wild world of golf, right? Like it's free agency. It's, it's, it's just different. Right. And, and yeah. different is hard for people sometimes, especially in a sport that has been so kind of stuck in historical modern or, you know, historical ways over time. It's yeah. hard for people that have no golf and see people in shorts and we're pivoting to different things. It's hard for everybody to wrap their head around that. But they're doing a lot of things that have worked. And for me personally, it's it's definitely been more successful than I may have thought it would have been, you know, if we sit here eight, nine months ago.
0: Yeah. And where I think some of it may have came across that um, it was going to have this like lasting negative impact on the PGA tour. And I think that's yet to be seen. I actually think it could it, like long-term could help grow the presence of the PGA tour. If it helps make the sport more popular, if it helps make the sport more accessible, if it helps make the sport a better viewing product, um, then it grows. the. It's like, so there's this guy at where I play golf at, at the um, course that I belong to. He's he's older, and I, he talked a little bit about it because he knew that I went to live, but he used to be in the AFL, and he was in the okay. AFL in the days where the AFL champion used to play the NFL champion. So the AFL was a startup, basically, and there was like three times, and I think he said the first two times like the NFL crushed them. Then the AFL came along and like actually beat them in year three. It, inevitably what happened is... Due to like the contracts and the amount that the NFL was able to pay players and the resources that they had, the AFL could no longer compete. But ultimately, what it did is it made kind of made the NFL like better. accelerate its path of growth and made it a better product. And I think that that same effect could be applied here. What they've done is they've taken gas and poured it on this fire of change that had taken forever. The P- PGA Tour would take forever to change anything. anything. nothing was happening. Everything was sort of stagnant and reliant upon a couple of stars to shoulder the burden of carrying the product. And like what we've seen, change can now happen at the drop of a hat. It doesn't have to take seven years. It can take seven months and totally radically change the, the landscape of the PGA Tour and professional golf. And I think it can be a positive for the pj tour and they can come out of this thing with even more fans than they went into it with do you
1: think and i agree um and i also it's interesting that you say that because because remember the the talking point from live when it originally started was growing the game and it seems we're sitting back and we're saying well how the hell are you growing the game but then you talk about being there and how it's kind of pulled in a different audience totally that's kind of not the old man get off my lawn audience that you know like the kind of the old man golf is it's pulling a new audience do you think eventually all things come full circle and we have the pga tour and live where players that are on both tours are going to be able to play both places because i personally believe and i'm not saying that's going to happen immediately that's going to be the end of the road you're going to have to find a way to make it work both ways Uh, And I know the major championships are really what the PGA is holding their hat on or, or, you know, right Right. now. And, And but if I think eventually it's going to have to work that way, because if you have X amount of top end players on here and X amount here, we as golf fans wants what's best. And I think there's a way to make it both work. I just think that everything was so new in the way that it seemed like live was attacking the PGA and PGA wasn't having this. I do think it comes full circle. And, and at some point guys are going to be able to play wherever they want. Live doesn't have that many events. You're going to be able to kind of do what you want and hop back and forth.
0: I believe it as well. There's going to need to be compromise, and that's not going to happen right away. Live's going to have to earn it. And this is kind of what I wrote about in they're doing so. So They're instead of playing this role of disruptor and in politics aside where the money comes from, they're going to have to make an impact one event at a time. And that may take longer than they envisioned. But from what I was at in Miami, they made an impact on everyone there. Kids loved it. Drew, like your five year old daughter, if they're into golf at all, would have absolutely loved it. My wife loved it. People that aren't the anomaly like us the guys who put 20 hours a week into watching and researching and knowing every aspect of golf had an incredible time and they made a difference within all those people they also made a difference in the community that they were in I'll say like there's some good things that they're doing that are very underreported they had a chipping thing basically where they had like bins of like $5, 15 $25 where any chip that you made, they were donating to the Hurricane Relief Fund on the West Coast. Over 50% of all their merchandise sales went directly to helping the Hurricane Relief Funds. Like they're giving back. They had all, all? kinds of kids from the first tee there that they were like basically treating like first class with lanyards and giving complete access to all it's these like inner city sort of Miami you know, it's kids that would have never been able to see Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith and Brooks and Louie. And they're, they're there's incrementally they're making an impact. And I think over time that if they continue to do that, there's going to be a compromise there. And I think Rory's kind of alluded to it. I think Matt Fitzpatrick has alluded to it many times where, look, for the good of the game, for the good of the sport, for the good of both tours, let's figure this thing out.
1: I think Rory's the barometer of, of how the PGA feels too. Totally. Right? Like when you see Rory from six months ago and how against everything he was to recently in the last few months, his, his stance is kind of softened. Right. Yeah. And you know, what comes out of his mouth is, is essentially what the PG, I mean, it's kind of like when Tiger, he's the mouthpiece for the PGA tour. He's Absolutely. Their, their golden child. So when you see him kind of softening his stance, you, you can almost see through Rory how things have changed from a perspective of the PGA and how they look at Live. I think it, originally they thought Live was a joke and it wasn't. It, it had a bunch of money to back it, but it wasn't going to stick. Mm-hmm. And now you can kind of tell, but just through comments from guys like him, that that it's it is making an impression and it is it's slowly starting to change the way people think and 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 we'll see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, I hope we get these guys in the majors for the time being. I think that Absolutely. it will happen um but all right let's enough about live let's talk about the pga tour what we got this week memorial park golf course here's my sort of cliff notes version drew let me know if you have anything to add so par 70 unique in a par 70 in that we have five par threes this week and three par fives as a par 70 with five par threes you can play all the way back to seventy four hundred and twelve yards it is a tom Doak. Full on restoration with you know a little help and a little asterisk with the Brooks Kepka um right. input on the redesign. I'm not sure how how familiar Kepka is with golf course architecture, <laughs> he um, doesn't seem like an architect. Though. Yeah, no, I can't imagine he's I can't imagine his his long plan 20 years from now is to design golf <laughs> courses. courses? Yeah. Um, but Bermuda grass, fairways, and greens. I think that he just gave a couple of tidbits here and there. He didn't like a lot of bunkers, he wanted the setup to play. Um, to his strengths as a player which I think is great like I think the way it turned out is fantastic we saw Kokrak win it last year at minus 10 under par we saw Carlos Ortiz win it at minus 13 now those are a couple of mid-range odds board sure. snipes that I love the 30 to ones the 40 to ones the 50 to ones um, but that's not to say that the good players in the event didn't play well um, Scheffler finished second last year the year before that Ortiz won um, it was Ortiz, DJ, and Hideki down to the last hole. I think Brooks finished fourth. Sam Burns was like fifth. Like all the names were up there. It's a ballpark for the big dogs, and I think yep. that it's a place that the harder it plays, the more that it kind of plays into their laps. We have four inside the OWGR top twenty this week, uh, so it would be exciting to see kind of how this golf course plays out. Is there anything that you've noted from a course standpoint or setup that that is uh, I may have missed?
1: No, I agree with pretty much everything. And, and to, to, if you look back the last two years, they really haven't dealt with tons of wind, which is something you mm-hmm. expect in that area, uh, which just adds teeth to this golf course. You mentioned there, I think there's five par fours over 490. Yep. You have a 235 par three. Um, It's kind of, in theory, a bomber's paradise, right? You're going to be hitting a lot of long irons in the holes. Um, I think when we handicap golf and we talk golf, people tunnel vision hey that you have to be a bomber to win here that's not what i'm saying at all but it's certainly going to be a benefit this week um and and again it's it's completely different from what we've gotten recently it's not going to be a birdie fest and i i really like this spot i like this golf course and the field isn't as good as it has been but overall i think the golf course kind of brings out some of the better players Yeah. and as you to your point i mean sam burns finished seventh i believe twice in a row Scottie mm-hmm. Scheffler's played well here. You hit on Hideki being at the, you know, up at the top of the leaderboard, DJ. So it brings out the best players to the top. Right. Uh, and I think that's all you can ask for out of a tournament. And and so I'm excited to, I'm not the birdie fest guy. I don't like 25, 30 under. I kind of like a little bit more of, this is more of my kind of golf. So yeah. uh, I think you're spot on, man.
0: There's one of those holes, one of those par fours you were speaking about. It's like 530 that, um, was was playing like a, almost a half a stroke over par last year which is insane by PGA Tour standards. Um here's kind of the key stats that I'm looking at. Um require a blend I think more so on distance than accuracy, but I'm looking at a little bit of good drives gained, strokes gained off the tee. Um I sorted out difficult scoring conditions as a filter there as well. Like distance is Here's here's my take sort of on distance, Drew. Tell me if you, you agree with this. I think it's the driving distance is one of the most stable stats that you can possibly look at because all of these other categories that I'm looking at, bogey avoidance, around the green, par three scoring, Bermuda grass putting, there's a given week where Tony Finau can be first in putting or last in putting. There's no situation out here in which Tony Finau is at the bottom of the field and driving distance, right? There's Absolutely. just, there's, it's just something that you inherently either have or you don't have. You can't have a really good week driving distance out of nowhere where you just pick up 20 yards. Now you right. can be it's more accurate, but it's just, it's one of those things that you either have it or you don't. So it's one of the more ones that I like to factor in when you have courses like this, because it is what it is. There's no variance level to it. Uh, with the exception of it just takes a while, right? You can see guys climb like we saw Fitzpatrick. And, of course, Bryson was the anomaly in here of gaining it. But you can see it happen incrementally over time. There's not a scenario in which you all of a sudden pick up 20 yards in a week.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a variable that changes, right? Yeah. You're long or you're not. And I think in distance we can we can lean on as a crutch for a lot. because Because if you break it down, even the guys that aren't – bombing it or still hitting it 300 310 but when you get out on courses that have 530 yard par fours it's 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 way more difficult to hit a four iron into a green than a seven iron man it's just the way it is and and yeah if you bomb the ball you bomb the ball and and that's not going to change and it's also we look at statistics and it's they're somewhat skewed based off of the golf course they play the setup of the golf course the distance Mm -hmm. of uh, distances of holes so while that is definitely a fluctuating variable over time, driving distance just isn't one. And so I'm, I'm with you 100%. That's one thing that you can lean on on a week-to-week basis where you don't actually have to think about it very much.
0: Where do you, as, as a teacher of the game, as a really good player yourself, now this week I, I tend to lean a little bit on, um, I like to look at the proximity ranges and where the approach shot distribution comes from. This week Data Golf is pretty much telling me 150 to 225 yards. You're going to see way more of those shots this week than you do on a normal PGA tour start. So I like to sort of look at that kind of stuff. Do you think that's a valuable stat that I'm looking at? Because I've kind of heard both sides of this before.
1: No, I absolutely do. I, because okay. like there's, there's certain players that have certain strengths, right? So put X player from 150 to, to 100 yards, and that could be their bread and butter you have other players when you're looking at it and everybody's chasing distance, right? That's kind of the name of the game now until the ball rolls back or something different changes, that's going to kind of be the name of the game. But I think that the, one of the things that we can benefit from is you can look at the golf course itself and run the numbers. You can see, listen, you can look at Morial park and say, Hey, there's going to be a lot more of the shots that you just said. 150, 200, 225, and so that's definitely something that you look at and you can break it down on a week basis. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of proximity from those distances. That's something okay. that you have to rely on heavily. and Because I, I think, again, it, every week everybody's like, oh, this is a ball striker's golf. Every golf course is a ball striker's golf course, right? Yeah. There's never going to be a week where stroke skiing approach isn't, isn't like one of the more valuable things that we look mm-hmm. at. So I think that, that when you look at proximity and you can dial in distances, that kind of gives you the, the the difference in leverage against those other statistics that again fluctuate stroke skin approach again. Ball straight's always going to be important. Yeah. They could play it on the moon. If you can, if you, you you know you're a good iron player, you're going to be, you know, in a good spot. <laughs> but yeah, I think to your point, that is a very good one. And I think proximity is one of the ones that I lean on more, especially when you can kind of go through the golf course, you know the golf course, and you know kind of what to expect
0: love to hear it let's get to the betting board let's make a couple bets the board. all right top of the board this week scotty scheffler coming off the low round of the day i believe on sunday in mayakoba is six to one at the houston open sam burns 14 to one aaron wise 18 to one is the best number available Tony Finau, best number available at Bet365 is 22 to 1. Hideki's 25 to 1. Henley coming off of victory is 25 to 1. Drew, is there anything there that you like or you don't? Again,
1: I I don't know about you, but I I can never swallow a 6 to 1. As much as I like Scotty Scheffler. That's not something I'm interested in. The Tony Finau number over 20 is very interesting. We talked about the golf course itself. This seems like a Tony Finau golf course. Um, so that's a number I'm willing to be interested in. You could talk me into Sam Burns uh, based off the the past two finishes here. But I think at the top of the board, it's got to be Tony. Uh, again, concerns with with Russell Henley. I know he just won last week, but we talk about the kind of style of golf course. I just don't think it fits him. Where are you at with the top here?
0: Um, I went Finau. I actually got an early morning 25 to 1, which I love because I laughed at Aaron Wise at 18. Beautiful. The one could not believe that number was on Finau coming off. Of a couple of victories, like in the late summer, I have him top 10 in the field in strokes gain off the tee strokes gained total on difficult courses around the green top eight uh, strokes gained approach one bogey avoidance one good drives gain fourth. We know he's up there in distance. He's doing it all. And the approach numbers, like you mentioned, they're always important. What I like to do is kind of also look at that by by. By course length, kind of what you mentioned, it sort of brings in that proximity to it. So I filtered it on 7,400 plus yard golf courses. Now, I know this is maybe a hair under that, depending on the tees, but given par is 70 and there's five par threes, it's going to play very long. So I think when you look at approach numbers, especially when you're pulling a lot of the data from some of these stops at the fall, if you're pulling data from Bermuda, from Mayakoba, even though there's not shot tracker there, but a lot of these stops were very short courses is my point and if you're looking at Strokes gain approach numbers you could be talking about totally different clubs that are going to be the focus this week. So he's number 1 there in Strokes gain approach on long golf courses. I know the course history here isn't great. Um I also know that his last performance out at Maiakoba last week wasn't great. Maybe get here a little bit early. Um President's Cup in Maiakoba is really the only time that we've seen him since the, since the Tour Championship. Um I'm going to I'm going to roll the dice here. I think he's one of the top four players in this field. And we mentioned it's a course that I think is suited for for the best players. I think a twenty five to one, even a twenty two to one is a very fair number. on am
1: Let me ask you this real quick, and I know we'll, we'll get moving on. Do you when we talk about golf courses with with proximity being around 200 yards, to say as an average, do you also find that that you lean on short game a little more too, knowing that the greens and regulation percentage based off the yardages are going to be lower. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's kind of an underlying thing to look at, um, it, which is, you know, can, can put you one way or the other, but, but it, that you are on with, with me with the same thing. I, I kind of feel like yes. it's longer club, the more you're going to miss the green.
0: Yep. And around the green, we didn't really touch on it, but one of the sort of nuances and unique parts of this golf course is all the short grass, the mode, closely mowed areas around the green. Um, I think Andy who did a great preview earlier today had it as the, the strokes gain around the green was almost double what you would see at a corollary course. Um, so it's a heavy emphasis this week in which you don't often pay it much. Um, I think that he's now in particular is a very underrated player there, but yeah, your green and regulation percentage is, is going to be down. You're going to have to get up and down more and it's hard here. Like the, 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 The complexes of the greens are very difficult. They're very slopey. That Bermuda rough, I know it from being down here. When you get that Bermuda rough around three, it it is squirrely, and it's hard to chip out of because you basically get no spin. So it's all in sort of, if you're on the short sided, it's hard to stop the ball.
1: And the tight lies around the green. Yes. You know, if if you're not confident in your chipping, we kind of saw it with Victor Hovland a little bit last year. That's kind of a nightmare scenario for somebody that's not feeling great about their chip game is the playoff you know runoffs and in, in, in tight lies so I'm with you on that
0: um okay moving down the board a little bit McNeely 26 to 1 Taylor Montgomery 29 to 1 Jason Day 33 to 1 Denny's 40 Joel Damon is 40 I'll pause it there any of those guys that you see um setting up well this week or are you kind of moving past that range
1: the only one I'm considering is Jason Day, um, just based off of the way he's been playing. I mean, right. his last three events have been really good. We know he's a good ball striker. The strokes gained with the flat sticks been there. Um, it, but again, there's nothing that really pops out in this for me. I mean, I love Joel Damon, but this isn't just not a Joel Damon golf course, in my
0: opinion. Right. I um, would agree there. Day, interestingly, gained strokes on approach again. I believe that makes it either eight or nine straight events, which is his longest streak in a while. 21st at Mayakoba, 11th at the CJ Cup, 8th at the Shriners for Jason Day. Extremely positive performances this fall. Like, love to see it. I give him credit, man. I I tell you what, I talked about this with like Ricky a few weeks ago when he had a little pop there. What was it? The Zozo or the Shriners or something. This, like these guys who had the peaks. Okay, so the peak of their career was four or five years ago. I give these guys credit for not taking the easy road out and just jumping over to live tour because they'd make great names and and perfect. They'd fit the mold for the guy that's gone to Day live. 100% you would Jason think would Day, is hundred percent. Jason Day, hundred percent, would be a shoe in to just be like, for okay, sure, with he's the back shoes he's and the Good WPs. for the SEOs. People know who he is. He's not yep. that good anymore. Let's let him play eight times a year, and he. But no, he he sort of stuck it out, and I give him a lot of credit for. For sort of betting on himself there i'm interested dude in taylor montgomery i he just is finishing great man 10th 13th yes. 15th 9th third since the fortinet those are all events this fall it's hard to deny that he's he's gaining more strokes with the putter than anyone else but i saw something that data golf put out today where he won a a like a, a putting exhibition did you see this no i didn't so <laughs> I think it was Kenny Kim, my buddy Kenny put something out like, is he ever going to lose strokes gain putting And data golf replied like, maybe not. So there was a putting like tournament in Las Vegas of like all professional golfers and it was like a putting tournament. And he won. He finished first. find that he won, he won in a hundred <laughs> grand okay. in a putting contest. <laughs> right. So he's clearly just a, <laughs> he's feeling I mean, good. He's feeling good. Thing. It's I guess my point being is like you look at someone like Denny and it's just kind of ingrained in you who's around the same number. Like, yeah, he's one of the best putters in the world. I didn't really envision that out of Taylor Montgomery when he first came up to the tour in the fall, but I think we've just got to settle into this spot where yeah, he's he's that guy who's going to gain point eight strokes to to one point five strokes putting in most events that he played. And if he can get other things going, he certainly has a talent level that exceeds another great putter like Denny.
1: And he can move it like he hits it far off the tee. do yeah. pretty accurate. It's really all comes down to his approach numbers because everything else at this times is click. And I, I, I don't have any issue with that. I like it.
0: Yep. I haven't done it yet, though. Um, some guys here moving on. 50 to 1, Alex Norin, Davis Riley, Emiliano Grio is 50 to 1. Matthew Neesmith is 50. Sahith is here at 50. That's a little nice little drift for him. Uh 55 on C Wu. Taylor Pendrith is 60. I'm gonna pause right there. Um anyone in here got your interest?
1: Yeah, the only one would be C Wu. Um again with that number in this field, I, I just it's hard for me not to make a play on him when you get him over fifty in this field with his kind of win equity or his upside. I could get behind that, but that's that's the only guy I'm thinking in that that range.
0: Yeah. So the one that I was thinking was um Pendrith. Although when I looked at my book, he was down to 40 to one, which you'll see some there. The 60 to one I would take changed um, a lot. I went another we'll talk about him next but i went another with another guy in the same region just cuz i couldn't get that price but um top 3 in the field in distance top 3 in the field in strokes gained off the tee he's really proficient at par 3 scoring which i looked at which which there may be some flaws to that but he's second in the field in terms of par 3 scoring there's a good um conglomerate of par 3s you should probably they're they're all varying yardages which you should more than likely have a different club into all five of them, which is, of course, fun and, and a sign sure. of a, a good desi- Well, well-designed golf course, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they um, got a they got a wedge par three and they have a hell of a three wood par three for me. Yeah. I mean, for two forty.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, it's, it's let me see what bit else I all. had. I, I don't know that he has terrific course history here in Pendrith. Um, but, but just a guy that I thought about. And I think if you have access to that 60 to one over at three, six, five, um, I don't mind that bet. I agree. Okay. Moving up the board. 66 is Hadwin Putnam, McKenzie Hughes, Taylor Moore, Keith Mitchell, 71. Sebastian Munoz is 75 to one Aaron Rye, 80, Shank, 80, Burmeester, 80, Sig, 80. Um, I got a couple here. What about you?
1: Yeah, I got a couple too, uh, and I'm going to leave. I, I, I You could definitely talk me in this week. It's tough, man. I'm definitely in on Grayson Sig. I like it 80, and I also like Adam Shank at 80. We talk about Adam Shank, hits the ball a ton, great approach numbers. I like it. The guy that's questionable and I probably won't play is Keith Mitchell, Um it's it, again. He missed the cut last week, but this golf course we're talking about set up to with his his game. This golf course is night and day from Mayakoba, yes. so I could see it with Keith Mitchell. But I do like Grayson Sig. Grayson sig has been off to a hot start already this year. Um, and and again, Adam Shank is just fits the mold for who could play here, and and also has a great name.
0: Um, great. <laughs> All right, I got a couple. Um, Munoz, I pulled the trigger on right away. Got an eighty to one. It's probably a first-round leader bet. Classic yeah, I was going to say first-round leader spot. for sure. <laughs> Munoz in Texas. Um, I, I am I am part of the group of people that I've seen that are on this Dean Burmeister 80-1. to one. I know nothing about him. I ran a stat model. He was fourth in the stat model. He's checking all the boxes right now. It's just one of those ones where I'm going to plug my nose and see if the 80 can give me a Sunday sweat. And here's the one that I pivot to off of Pendrith. Taylor Moore. Um, very underlooked. I haven't heard anybody mention him this week, but absolutely like fantastic fall and run of form going on right now. He gained strokes, Drew, in every single stat category right now when you're looking at the last 50 rounds off the tee approach around the green putting. T to green he's plus in every single one of those categories here are his finishes so far in the fall 23rd at the cj cup and in great field that's a good finish 12th at the zozo missed the cut at the shriners 24th at the sanderson 36th at the fortinet um so that's that's four out of five event top 36 or better so he's making the cut and finishing in the top half within that cut he's from Texas, I believe Saint Angelo. When I looked it up, Texas, which is about an hour from here, grew up playing in his entire life in Oklahoma. Went to school at Arkansas. Should be familiar with the conditions and the climate and everything else that goes along with that. Should be a nice, comfortable spot for him. uh Sixty-six to one, I thought was a pretty good number. It's a great number.
1: I, I actually would consider a placement bet on him as well. Uh, yeah, just based off the way it's trending. If you if you don't want to go with the outright. You can throw in a top 10 for, I'm I'm assuming, pretty good value. So I had him down. I
0: had him sort of pegged a little while ago as like birdie fest guy, right? Like courses where there's a ton of birdies, that would be his spot. Then he finished top twelve at the Zozo, which wasn't exactly a birdie fest. Then exactly. the CJ Cup, which was kind of hard. He finished twenty third, so he was able to carry those performances into two courses that I didn't think set up great for his style of play, um, which I think just goes to show you like the confident state that he's in right now as a player.
1: I agree. Listen, man, when you're when you get it going, it, it, we I know we talk about a lot of it, it, all these different variables, but there's nothing like being on a heater, man. Throw it yeah. all out the out the window if if you're playing well and you're confident that hole looks like a beach ball. So I, I don't I I love riding a hot hand.
0: Full on long shot range. Straka, Will, Gordon, both playing pretty well at eighty to one. Wyndham Clark's eighty. Woo is ninety. Lowers ninety. Smalley, Hodges, Long, Champ, Thompson, Sue, List. These are all guys kind of in triple digits here. Um, there's some like. Old school names we talked about old guys getting it back that would be Justin Rose is 110 to one, Gary Woodlands 125 to one, Molinari who had a decent little run here is 125 to one. Is there anybody up here for you that you think may be worth a bet or a placement like a top 20 this week?
1: I and I don't suggest everybody else follow me, but for whatever reason, Danny Willett's a fun high upside 130 dart at the at the wall. And the only other guy would be Bo Hostler. Uh, again, a guy that hits the ball far. You just never. With though, both those guys, it, it could be over by hole six on Thursday. Um, that's just kind of what you're getting into in this range. Um, those are. I like to. Anytime I'm in this range, I like to see the guys that I think I value with very high upside. Um, it, I could care less what the what the floor is. They could they could go out and shoot themselves out of the tournament. But those are two guys that I like the upside. Uh, although I don't necessarily like danny willett i out of these guys him and uh and bohas will be my two
0: yeah um i did take straka at 100 to one um i'm not seeing him here but he's just been on such a run man i tweeted out that um He's like, Sepp Straka's is up to like number 27 in the world right now. In the he o- came W-G off that arc.
1: win, and then he went to to Dell Technologies in, in Austin and, and started beating people up in match play. And you're like, okay, all right, I can see this.
0: It's been insane. Um, Will it, you make a good point because he's 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 terrific. He's number one around the green. So if we're going to place more emphasis on around the green than um, here than anywhere else on tour, which was been proven last year, It's hard to ignore. I'm going to I'm going to pull this down just so I can bring up these OWGR rankings because I thought that they were kind of interesting. Um, Let me pull it up here. All right. Current OWGR rankings. Cam Smith dropped from number three. I thought that that was noticeable because we're going to start to see a momentous drop from Cam Smith as it's it's coming, which is unfortunate. Um, Morikawa. Went from number two in the world last year. He was actually number one, I believe, up until the Hero World Challenge, which um, was was overtaken by John Rom at the Hero, if I have that correctly. Anyways, he was number one for a good bit of the end of last year. Is now tenth. Um, so a big slide for him. Here's where Straka, look at this, 27th in the world, climbed all the way up from 214th in the world last year. He currently is ranked ahead of Answer, Hatton, Henley, DJ, um, Adam Scott, Taylor Gooch, Brooks Koepka. Like, all these guys, uh, Straka has been able to um, move past, which is kind of crazy. Another one of the big drops I found was really weird. Where is he? Um... It's impressive to go from look at this 47th. What happened to Daniel Berger?
1: He didn't go to live that injury. I
0: think he hurt his wrist and he just hasn't been the same since. I was really surprised because I didn't realize he had kind of fallen off that bad. Most of these other Either. guys, I didn't were, think it was that bad that have fallen off, yeah, or, or have gone to live. But Berger's the one that has stuck around that was a top 20 player last year that's almost out of the top 50 right now, uh, which was kind of wild. The other one that um, was the massive jump was Kurt Kitayama from 250th in the world up to 41st in the world, like what a jump from him! I just kind of yeah. wanted to show, like I, I thought some of that stuff was interesting, and it's going to continue to be interesting until um, Liv gets starts getting awarded OWGR points and how that works out, because we're going to see a lot of a lot of change and a lot of movement here in the weeks coming.
1: Yeah, I mean, if OWGR points are are given to them, you're going to see a lot of. Those guys rise from the ashes and start working yeah, their I way know. back up the, the world golf rankings. But yeah, it's 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 crazy to to see how one year and Kid played a lot on the European Tour, right? And he started his game together. He, he he fully committed to playing on the PGA Tour, and and his life changed dramatically over the last year. If you look at purses from the PGA to the European Tour, um, it, that's golf, man. You can rise up from being just a disaster, or you can free fall and. <laughs> And, and the, golf's the funny sport where you can wake up and, and, and be lost and lose your game. And uh, you did nothing but fall asleep. So it's it's why it's the best. And it's why, in my opinion, it's most fun to bet on.
0: I'm laughing because I, I, I know that pain all too well, totally losing your game. Oh, Drew! Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, myself and on, others. Man. Can't wait for you and our boy Rob. Congrats to Rob if you're seeing this on the kid. And and we can't wait for you guys to get back at it, hopefully in January, for the approach. It was a pleasure to have you on Preferred Lines. I really appreciate you being the guest this week. I hope you have a great week, bud. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you do the same, man. Hey, thanks again for having me. Later. All right, gang. That's going to wrap it up for your Golf Gambling Club meeting this week. I appreciate you checking out Preferred Lines. Give me a like. Give me a subscribe. Tell a friend. Lost some followers. Hook me up. Um, I need to get back on the right path. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to bring the show back after two weeks off. I, I've got some exciting stuff planned for the new year that that I can't wait to sort of divulge and get more into. Um, but a really exciting time in the game of golf right now. I'm happy to be here covering it with you. Thanks to Fantasy Golf Cod Golf Pod as always for supporting the show and for you for checking out Preferred Lines this week. Have a great week. Good luck at the Houston Open. Um, Tony Finau is going to win. I'm out. Peace. Go Ravens.